As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. All right, James, we are back with an in-person edition of the podcast. It's like our first since February? February? Probably, yeah. I was trying to think the last time I saw you. Were you at that Tampa game with the Leafs? That was the weird I think I was there too. And it was like weird being there and we didn't know it was... We didn't know if we would be back for the next game and we were not back for the next game. So I haven't seen you in quite a long time. The first time, when you first saw me today, you came over to my house and... uh, Seemed like you liked my new hairdo. Yeah, I like the new do. <laughs> you said I look like Kurt Russell. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been watching uh, all the Fast and the Furious movies. Is he in the Fast and the Furious? He's movies? in the later ones. Yeah, he is. Yeah, I've only seen the first one. He's Mister Nobody. Are the later ones good? They're good. Like they're just good. Uh, they seem so cheesy. Mindless action movies. Like five, six, seven were really good. Oh, Maybe okay. not six as much, but those ones were good. They're right. fine. Like they're just action movies. Well, they've made seven or eight of them, so they can't. And there's going to be nine and ten, apparently. They're, they can't be that bad, I guess. They're fine. They're like some of those. Like you like a lot of those uh, superhero movies. They're, you just watch them. You know, turn off your brain. Yeah, they just. I don't know. Something about it seemed dumber than it was. Like muscle cars and. Oh yeah, it goes way. You just have to accept that none of this is possible and it's not going to happen. <laughs> like the amount of times when they would die is just. It's all the time. Yeah, well, Vin Diesel. Sadly, one of them did die. 
Yeah. Well, that was the end of seven was really his sad tear. Rest in peace, Paul Walker. Um, so we're not here to talk about the Fast and Furious movies. What? I thought that was Although we thing. could just do a whole Fast and the Furious podcast. I like how I haven't seen you in four months and that's what we're talking about. Uh, what else can I tell you? Well, you had vacation. Yeah, there were people on Twitter who were like wondering where you went. He disappeared. And he I was like, well, yeah. you know, the company is kind of saying like now's not a bad time to take vacation because we're kind of in this limbo. You know, training camps are going to open potentially the NHL saying July 10th is what they're hoping for. They're going to pick the hub cities next week. It looks like it's going to be Vegas and Edmonton. Uh, and then the playoffs would start early August. So it was a good time for you to get away. Other than it made me it made it so I was really busy. Well, and then once the season ends, how long do you think the off season is going to be? Like six weeks, longer. It depends how quickly they get going here. Like, there's a lot of talk they can be done the Stanley Cup final by like mid October. So then, and I don't think we'll be back for training camp until like mid December. There's a lot of talk next season starts January 1st with the Winter Classic in Minnesota. Well, what's interesting about that is the NBA, I believe, is talking about December 1st for the start of their next season. Well, I thought they were going to do Christmas. I guess it depends on the timelines and everything. This was, the, I don't know if I'm current on this. It seems like this stuff is changing constantly. Like it's hard to they don't know. keep up. So like one of the advantages, I don't think we talked about that story that I wrote about, about potentially moving the schedule. I no. Yeah. No, we did talk about that. We did talk we should, about, Let's go but back like Basically, to like one of the things they're thinking is that if they start next season as late as possible, there might be a vaccine, probably outside shot that there'll be a vaccine, but there might be the ability to have some sort of fans in buildings, which changes the equation. Right, because I guess if you're starting in December... Or January. Still, well, but like that... Yeah, I guess we They're worried know. about the winter, that there's going to be like a second wave of this and it's going to be really bad and bounce back up. Well, I mean, you're seeing what's happening in the States right now. I don't even know if that counts as a second wave. It sort of does if you look at some of the charts and stuff. I mean, but it's the first wave in a lot of those places. Well, but so this gets into what I wanted to discuss first. You and Mike Russo wrote a story together uh, about some of the complications with coming back and players' concerns. I think one of the, the, the estimates in the story by one of the agents was like that 30 to 40% of players were like concerned about actually coming back. It doesn't feel like that's... It's, it feels like there's been the odd player who's kind of come out and spoke, like Anton Strawman and like... Yeah. But it feels like that is probably more of a real concern among players than um, you know what, we've realized. You, you know what the NHL is like though, right? Like guys are like not... And the only ones we can get to speak out are all anonymous. Like, there's there's not very many on the record. Like, well, and that's what I think is so different about the NBA is like you have NBA players who are coming out stars and basically saying like we're not sure that this is safe. We're not sure if this is a good idea. We're not sure if we like players have already like uh, I think Trevor Ariza came out and said he's not going. Like one of the Lakers did yesterday. I think yeah, Avery Bradley came out and said he's not going either. Like, I wonder. There's going to be NHL players that opt out for sure. I mean, Roman Polak said came out and said in the European press that he's not going to play. Did you see that one? No, I didn't see you that. Were away I when saw that, his name was in the your story. You were away when that happened, but he said to the Czech papers, he's signed a deal to play in the Czech League next year, and, he, and he's over in the Czech Republic, and he's like, I'm not coming back to play in this thing. And like he wasn't playing that much for Dallas, and like he was like the seventh or eighth defenseman, and we'll, we'll see. It was news apparently to the stars that he wasn't coming back. But I think there's going to be guys that opt out for sure. And imagine if it's like an impact player. Yeah. I don't know what you... 
I mean, it's not wrong. Like, if you don't feel comfortable coming back, I don't think anybody should. They're going to have the ability to opt out. Like, apparently, that's going to be something that the PA is going to insist that is part of this package. But what do you think the league or the players' association could do? Like, as you said, like hockey is very much. I'm just going to do what's good for the team. I'm just going to like follow along. Whereas the NBA, it's more like individual. It's like there's more personalities willing to kind of step outside the norm. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Is there anything that they could do to kind of make sure that the guys who maybe don't actually want to play feel comfortable saying, I don't want to play? I'm, I don't know. They're going to, they're going to make it that it's acceptable. And I don't think they're even going to punish those guys. And they're going to, they're obviously, they can't, they can't go forward if like too many guys opt out, right? Like they, you can't really have a tournament with any integrity if like 50 guys don't play or something like that. Well, but what if like, what if I think you had in the story, 11 players, the league has said have tested positive last week. Yeah. And so what if like that more number- than that have tested positive overall 11 were last week? Oh, wow. Because you're, that doesn't include like the Senators guys. And so I think, I believe there was someone with the, there were some with the LA Kings. Wasn't there Colorado back in like too? Mar- right. In Colorado. That, I think that's the team. But yeah. so what do you do if you're the league, if like a handful of players or more on one team get it? I don't like, I, it just feels like there's so much unknown in that you don't really know how to handle it because this is so unprecedented. One of the things that players said to myself and Russo is they're worried that you get into a playoff series. Let's say you have like, you're in a playoff series and you're up two, one or three, one. And all of a sudden four guys in your team test positive even though they feel fine. Like, it, I, I don't think all of the players feel fine, but it sounds like a lot of the players that have tested positive in the NHL feel fine. Like, you know, that you get these, like, young athletes, and this is a really weird virus that affects everyone differently. Um, the players are concerned that, what if we get this, and we feel fine, and the league's like, no, you can't play. Yeah, and, and it, what if it's, and, like, before Game 7 yeah. of the conference finals? yeah. Like they're worried about the players have said they're worried they're going to make all of this sacrifice to go through all these quarantines and come back and try and play, and then the integrity of the tournament is really in doubt because of potentially it could all fall apart just when guys test. And this thing is so contagious that it's just it it spreads so easily. So even if you have the bubble, you know they're still going to have to interact with people like they're still going to have to be people that are doing their food and mm-hmm. and you can only make the bubble so tight until the players are like I don't want to do this right like there's been pushback that you know there was pushback from players initially that I don't want to just sit in a hotel room and like get food delivered to my hotel room and just sit there and that's all I can do for months like and you can understand why and then you add in another layer that was in the story that we did and it's like there's not a lot of money for them left to play for really yeah you're basically just playing for the, I don't know, I don't know if future of the sport is too yes. grand. But no, like, that's 100% what's being talked about. Like they're, the case that the league and the PA are making to the players is that we can't go dark for like 10 months, especially if the other leagues play. So it almost feels like a game of chicken where like MLB is moving forward and I think MLS is moving forward now. You know, NBA is doing the Walt Disney thing and NFL says everything's going to be same as normal. The NHL is looking around and being like, we can't be the only league that doesn't play. Like, we need our own plan and we need to... But, but it feels like one or more of these leagues is going to get torpedoed by this thing potentially. Yeah. Well, and, and we don't even have... I don't know if the other leagues do either, but there's no dates. The only date we have is July 10. And even you guys mentioned in the stories, maybe that's... Like, maybe that changes. Maybe I, have, that's I don't know how they're going to hit. They don't even have the hub cities. They don't even have... 
Yeah. Players have started to come back from Europe. That's what's happening right now. Well, and didn't you say, like, aren't they taking, like, charters? Or maybe that was yeah. in CJ's story. Yeah. I don't know. They're the chartering planes is... and flying to New York, and then they're getting on commercial flights, and, like, <laughs> like they could all get sick just, like, being together, just right? traveling and flying. And... Well, and a couple things that I don't know that I have feel like they've been talked about enough is, one, is we don't know, like, the long-term effects of getting this. Like, I know, like, we, like, it's, like, if you get it and you're asymptomatic or you get over it quick, like, that's one thing. Well, we people, don't know what it does to you. Yeah, people are worried that it damages life. your lungs, right? Which is yeah. not good if you're a professional athlete. Well, and the other thing is I read a story in the New York Times, I don't know, how weeks ago, and it was about these athletes, some professional, some amateur who had gotten it, and just what it's been like for them trying to get back. And, like, some of them said, like, it took them weeks before they could train normally and like before they weren't out of breath really quickly and before they kind of got back to themselves you just wonder like if like you mentioned like a handful of players get hit with it and there's an outbreak like what i'm sure the league has like protocols of what we're going to do like what if whole team just can't play suddenly like i guess the other team just goes forward like what if it's in the cup final Probably. like i mean that's what happened in 1918 right yeah they just canceled they it. just canceled in, it right during in the, the final yeah I remember, all, you know, like, you always look back at that, and it's like, it's it was on the Stanley Cup, right? Like, did not play or whatever, and you're like, oh, what like a backwards time where they couldn't even handle the flu or whatever. And then <laughs> now it's us, and it and it happens now, and it's like, no, it's you know, there's there's been some really interesting articles I've been reading, and you know, the Atlantic's done some really good stuff, and anyway that's a tangent i was gonna go on like basically like people are part of the animal kingdom like we're not immune from things like this even though you know we've we've tamed a lot of viruses and had a lot of vaccines and whatever and you know but i guess it just highlights like how dicey this whole thing is in that you're trying to like kind of save not save your sport but protect your sport from like it's long-term peril but like you also don't know what the hell how to keep it like you you think you might know how to keep people safe but you don't really some of the like economic forecasts that i've heard people talking about for the nhl are that this will damage like there's talk they're they're, they're negotiating a new cba and there's talk that the cap is going to be flat for five years wow <laughs> or like near flat like around 83 five more years it feels like then you need like a a franchise player kind of thing where one player in your team is like accepted from the cap excluded from the cap it doesn't feel like that's i don't know that's just consider this too jonas if the cap is flat at let's say 83 for five years that's also with probably with 20 percent escrow every year so the actual cap is 20 percent less than that it's actually like what's that what's the math there 67 million like the the actual amount of revenue that the nhl is actually generating per team is so much lower than it looks like because the cap is artificial right well and if you're looking ahead to like december or january you're not going to be able to fill the building right like that's probably not going to be allowed like the acc i think holds like 198 or something yeah they might have to like have gaps or something like maybe you maybe you can buy your tickets in groups of twos or threes if they're like family members or something i don't know what they're gonna do I don't know what they're going to do. But the point is, like, you're not going to have... The the buildings aren't going to be full, even when you can have fans. Probably not. I can't imagine so. Maybe it'll be masks or mandatory, and I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they hand out masks when you go in the building. With a little Leaf logo? They've started to have fans back in some other sports, right? Have they? I I don't know. 
Maybe it was just New Zealand. New Zealand had fans in their rugby, but New Zealand has zero cases or something. Yeah. Well, they were really strict right off the hop. But like you see um, like that tennis event, I think it was in Serbia. Was it? Where was it? Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Or Croatia. Yeah. Somewhere right around there. And they had. Didn't they like have like Djokovic. a dance party or something? Is that what happened? There's videos of them like. Oh, man. In like a club, like. But it's not like wearing their shirts. Djokovic got hit. Dimitrov got, got hit. Yeah, well, so like, Djokovic seemed like he if, wanted it. If some player gets really sick, right? Like, then it'll become more real to sports fans. There's a lot of people that haven't been touched by this personally yet. Well, and you just hope for, like, just on a pure business level, you just hope it's not your sport. Because, like, that's not going to look really good. Like, if you're rushing everyone, not rushing, but if you're you're trying to come back and then some player gets hit, you're just like, oh, man. And everyone says, well, they're young athletes and they don't typically get it. And it's like, yeah, they, but, like, what if it's just, like, what if it's, like, 0.5% of them get it or something? Like, that's still a few players. Well, and what if, like you're saying, one gets really sick? Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Like, And it's a star. Even if it's not a star, it's... Even if 99% of people are asymptomatic when they're, you know... But what I've been thinking about more is like what it's going to look like. It's going to be weird. You're just going to be watching them play in like these empty arenas. <laughs> I feel like we'll hear more. Like there are times at the ACC when you can actually like hear talking on the bench. You can hear talking on the ice. Like you can't hear everything and you can't hear it clearly. But I feel like we'll hear more of that stuff. It's just going to be an odd vibe. Like I've been thinking about um, what it'll look like when a team wins the cup. And it's just them. There's no fans. Well, English Premier League, they've been piping in like crowd noise, apparently. And yeah. apparently, like, it's actually not bad. Like, it actually, like, seems But normal. part of, like, what happens, like, when you score a big goal is, like, you feed off the crowd. And, like... There's some guy with a dial that just turns it up when a yeah. goal goes in. and it's <laughs> Right? And, like, I've even been thinking, like, what's going to happen? Like, is, is Gary Bettman going to pass the cup with gloves to, like, wearing a mask to... An, the captain wearing gloves like it's just gonna be weird maybe gonna... they have a robot version of gary batman <laughs> um i guess it's like probably like going back to when you were a kid and you played in tournaments and there's only like 40 people in the building or whatever and like yeah. like there's still like when That's i true. play my crappy beer league games and we're in the playoffs there's still a lot of intensity like it's not like the players are gonna be it's not like the players are gonna be like not jacked up to play these games like there's sure. still gonna be the level of competition and you know, I don't, th- I don't know. I don't think it'll ch- change it. It'll be different. It'll certainly be weird. Well, all their routines are just going to be gone, which like, fine. It's a pandemic. Like you got to do what you do. It'll be interesting to see who adapts the best to that. Like it's been interesting right. hearing from John Tavares and Zach Hyman and some of the Leafs players who are like, who I think are very good at like compartmentalizing and like playing through adversity and like being extremely kind of dedicated to and in these abnormal conditions, I was just thinking, listening to Varus and Hyman the last couple of weeks when they've done the conference calls, I don't think you were on them because you were off. Just thinking like, these guys have like the right temperament to go through something like this. Like sure. they're, they're 100% committed. You know, Hyman was like, you know, talking about how bad the test was. And he's like, but I don't care because it lets me play. Right. But like even little things that they're used to, like Tavares seeing his wife and kid, um, Hyman seeing his wife after the game, Mitch Marner seeing his parents after every game, all that stuff's gone. Like, it's just going to be a weird experience for these guys, like, just being in a bubble. Go play your game, go back to the hotel, get up. It's not really anything you can do. I don't know what morning skates will look like. Will there be morning skates? Will there be pregame warm-ups? Like, the whole 
the whole exercise, I don't feel like we've, or at least I've really comprehended how weird it's going to be. That's why, like, if if I've if if we can be in the bubble, you I'm wanna... wary, but I kind of want to go because it's just going to be like this once in a lifetime thing. I hope so. To see, <laughs> I hope this isn't the way that it is again. I hope that I hope this isn't the new normal. I hope it's not like Twelve Monkeys where we're all living underground, <laughs> inventing time machines to send Bruce Willis back in time to fix everything that happened, to find the bat that caused all of this. Seen Twelve Monkeys? I think we talked about this. No, that's on the list of things I need to see. That's what happened: is that the virus forced all the humans to live underground. Well, and the animals rule the earth. Huh. That's a nice thought. Is that are they the they Twelve escape, Monkeys? They escape the zoos and they're all like running all the tigers from the zoos and whatever. Isn't that Planet of the Apes? Isn't that the same thing or different? I never saw those either. Uh, I don't think no Planet of the Apes wasn't a virus. Did you have you watched Contagion during this thing? I think we talked no, about it. No, I, I think I'm going to though. I think I'm good. <laughs> I've seen it. I'm okay. <laughs> I've been th- although they do find a vaccine in the end, from what I recall. I think Matt Damon finds the it. thing I won't want to see about it is like there's going to be like a bunch of people dying and like I don't know. But I'm kind of curious just to like learn. Like apparently it's pretty realistic. Apparently it's a it's a good movie. It is. I've seen it. Oh, you have seen yeah, it. Yeah, I've seen it. I saw it a long time ago when it came out. Yeah. It's good. Do you think it's it'll make movie. you better educated about what's going on? Maybe, but I'm good. Yeah. Um, I don't want to spend all our time talking about. No, this. I it's think like depressing. I don't know a little bit. bit. We have these. We get these statistics on the podcast, and you can see when people stop listening. And I wonder with this one if people are going to be. Hopefully, you're still listening. <laughs> we don't want to talk about just this, but we can't not talk about it. Like we get, I see we get some response where people say we're so tired of like hearing about the virus and whatever, but it's. Well, maybe we'll put in like um, maybe in notes next, that like twelve minutes in, yeah, or yeah, twenty yeah. minutes in, we start talking about something that's not to do with. Uh, yeah, I get it pandemic. that people are kind of fatigued on the whole thing, but well, I got to be honest, like I'm not everyday little developments. I'm not really no following it as closely as I probably should. No, I just like it's just too in flux. I'm following it just in the terms of that I hear from like players and agents and like people with teams and stuff like that. And like the kind of, it's a real roller coaster for them. Like their whole lives are tied up in this thing. So it's, um, that vote that they're going to have is going to be, well, that was one of the interesting things from the story is you got the sense, you both got the sense that it shouldn't just be the executive committee. It, is that right? Apparently it, it be. won't be because there's a CBA extension attached to it. So then it has to be every player gets to vote. Huh. But I don't know what you do with there's seven teams that aren't playing. They get a vote like they're going to vote for them to play. Right. Because like they don't have to be part of it. And like it's better for them if the season goes ahead. So I don't know what they're going to do. It's really awkward. I or maybe they have two votes or one on the CBA and one on whether they should But they almost back. need to tie it together because without the new CBA, it's there's not a lot for the players to play for. Like shouldn't this be done already yeah shouldn't the players have voted on whether they're coming back it's because they're trying to get the cba and like all like the they're trying to establish what everything looks like there's the vote the vote is supposed to be what's today wednesday thursday the vote's supposed to be really soon like next week but that's the thing is that like they're they're, people are coming back from europe for these training camps and whatever and there's we still don't know if the players could vote against it and it might you know and they go back, I don't which know. is bizarre. Um, 
All right, we said we weren't gonna we're gonna move on. Yeah, we're gonna move on um, to the, all the other many things that are happening in hockey right now. Well, so I do want to talk <laughs> um, a bit about some stories that we've written, um, but first, since it's kind of top of mind, the Hall of Fame made their announcements this week. Yep, we, I think we've talked about it before. I don't understand why there's just like endless eligibility. Why, like baseball, I think has ten years. Like, why is Kevin Lowe suddenly after, like, 24 years getting in, Doug Wilson getting in? No, I'm okay with that. Why like, are you okay with that? Like, if they're Hall of Famers, they were Hall of Famers 12 years ago. Yeah, but, like, sometimes the voting gets more sophisticated, or sometimes in hindsight you look differently at someone's career. or like 24 the, years later? Well, like, look at, what about in the case of, like, some of the European League players, like some of the Russian League players? Like, there's talk about Viktor Tikhanov, the, the, the coach of the Russian team, or... You know, sometimes it it took Sergei Makarov. So it takes you two decades to figure out that he was good enough? Well, I think they, let's put it this way. I think the voters made a big mistake 20 years ago not putting Sergei Makarov in then because they were there was kind of like some xenophobia. And like the Hall of Fame was way too NHL heavy. They didn't have enough. They didn't respect the international careers of some of these other guys. So they didn't get voted in. That's so fair. like leaving it open at least... At least there's the possibility where voters look at it and they're like, "We, th- this is a mistake. That this is a historical inaccuracy that we should fix." Like I talked to Gary Roberts about the Hall of Fame because I did a story on Alexander McGillney uh, with with Tom Drance and uh, and some of our other writers. And um, you know, uh, Roberts said that Makarov, like it was basically an injustice that he didn't get in. He played with him in Calgary and he was like a star. So, but uh, like I get what you're saying with. With Kevin Lowe and, and Doug Wilson. There was and, that goalie a couple years ago who had been, it had been like 30 some odd years and like they put him in. Like, I don't know. It's like. I, I think there are some cases where, like, look at, there's, I saw there's some talk today about Curtis Joseph and like. Well, so, so that's what I want to talk about, of like some Leafs that maybe could get in, but go ahead. Like, if you look at it, they have not put enough goalies in. Like, Cujo was up for the Vesna, like. I mean, he he was one of the best I don't goalies. Think he won it though. No, he did not win it, and he didn't win a Stanley Cup. But he's like, I think he's like six all time in wins or something like that. Like he he's one of the best goalies ever in NHL history, which is what the Hall of Fame should be. If you look at it proportionally, Jonas, they're putting in all these forwards over and over and over again, and there's not enough defensemen and goalies because forwards, it's like, oh, he had this number of points, he's going in. Mm-hmm. You know, pick pick your guy. Uh, you know, Dino Cicerelli. Oh, he had 600 goals, he's got to go in. It's like, was Dino Cicerelli more of a Hall of Famer than Curtis Joseph? Probably not. No. Dave Anderchuk? I mean, I don't want to... I hate picking on the guys. that, But I'm just saying, like, the point is not that I'm saying those guys shouldn't be in. It's that there's an... So this is one of the things that I think, like, so if the Hall of Fame committee gets it wrong 10 years ago that they don't put enough goalies in and you analyze it... Right, you're saying you should be able to fix it. Like, yeah. Sergey Zubov got in last year, I think, and, like, he should have... Is he should, should he have been in? Yeah, because if you look at the best defenseman of his era, he's like way up there. Yeah, I guess he's, he's like one, one of the, the best five. Best, yeah. yeah, he's like one of the best five defensemen of the fifteen years he played. A hundred percent. Right. How about a twenty-year max? If it if you, if after twenty years you're not, we have. I don't think this in. is the problem. The problem is that they're putting in the wrong people. Like, well, the way they do it is is not great. They shouldn't it's, put four people in every year. Like, it's way too many. No, and that should be that's three. Part of this, right, and they should have some years where it's one or two. Right. Well, and so like. A, Cujo, let's start with Cujo. When I did uh, the best Leafs of the last 25 years, I think I did, and I looked into like his Toronto years, statistically, 
eh. Like, it, it's not as good as you think it is. His playoffs were actually a lot better than his regular seasons. Yeah. And so, like, it's like... But was he one of the five best goalies in the year during that time? Probably. It's funny. The the, the year he was the runner-up for the Vesna to Hasek. Yeah. Vesna, ha- oh, my God. That the year? numbers are a joke. I know. Well, it's a joke. That's what I was going to say is that... And, and the, you know what's... You know what's? Do you know what the voting was like? Yes, because I Kuj- looked into it. it Kujo had more first place yes. votes than Hasek. Yes, I think that was in my. <laughs> and Hasek story. had like a nine thirty five save percentage. And, and Kujo, Kujo was like nine twelve. Yeah, <laughs> it's like what, what are we? So there's an here? example of like like imagine that the voters didn't reward Hasek properly because they didn't understand. Uh, I don't. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I think you. I think you gotta. I don't think it would be fair for guys from the 80s or whatever that or 70s or I don't know the the problem is is that there's too many people get in and well on the wrong how is people Mogilny in? not in well so he's a great example of some of the numbers he put up in earlier in his career are incredible um that one kind of feels like they didn't like him because he was yeah Russian and we you know well I mean aloof and, I never saw Kevin Lowe play but was Kevin Lowe a better player than Alex McGilney well they played different positions but I mean, part of what happened is that, like, if you're on an amazing team, like, look at all the guys from the Oilers that all got on. Like, that's one of the best teams, maybe the best team in NHL history. And, like, so all of their numbers are inflated. And, like, all of they all got to play in way bigger games. And and then you look at some guys that, I don't know, who's like, there's some, what's happening now is there's so many teams that you can get, you can be a Hall of Fame player and you barely ever play in the playoffs. Like, there's some guys that get to the end of their... I, I don't think probably Shane Doan is a Hall of Famer. No. But if you look at his career, he played like 20 years. And he only played like 50 playoff games because he was on bad teams for so long. And like, you know, what if, I don't know. So like, are, we're, so we're rewarding guys like Glenn Anderson and... Yeah. Guy Carboneau. Kevin Lowe and, and Geek, you know, that played on really good teams when that's not necessarily, I don't know. I would like to see a, a higher degree of sophistication in, in, in how they look at this. Like I would see a lot more statistical analysis and like they should they should deploy some like eggheads to like look at and create some stats that like baseball has stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. Like they have like stats that really accurately reflect who should be in the Hall of Fame. And oh. I always find it frustrating with hockey that that doesn't exist. Like I'm always looking, I was looking with like comparing Alfredson to McGillney to Hosa because Hosa got in and Alfredson yeah. didn't. And like we just well, don't... Hosa to McGillney is like an interesting comparison. Like Hosa played on great teams, great two way player, but how much of it is influenced by three cups? And he went to a couple finals, I guess. I'm fine Otherwise, with Hosa getting in. Like, I love his Hosa. his case is is pretty good, but yeah, like McGillney played on a lot of bad teams, like Buffalo. Being, well, I, I remember Vancouver really well because obviously I was watching all the I watched every Canucks game when he played there, and those teams were terrible, just brutal, and he had a lot of injuries and. Messier was his center and you know then he comes to Toronto I think what cemented it for McGilney was probably his Toronto time and even New Jersey time like he was pretty good for New Jersey when they won that cup McGilney did win the cup like that's a thing too is it so 25 years from now he'll get in I think he's gonna I thought he was gonna get in this year he's gonna get in soon but it seems like you know what it seems like Jonas that that guys that have this is gonna sound terrible but I think this is probably fair it seems like guys that 
you know, become GMs and that are really embedded in the hockey community and have friends or friends of friends who are on the voting panel, like Kevin Lowe and Doug Wilson. Popularity and, and contest. Yeah, it's a bit yeah. of a, yeah, there's too much, it's too much of a popularity contest. Well, one guy you and I were talking about on the phone the other day is Gary Roberts. Um, and I asked you, like, how different is his career from your Kamloops guy, Mark Recchi? And like, I don't know. I don't think he is a Hall of Famer. But well, I think Recky's like six all-time in points or something in the NHL, right? right? And, and Roberts is like fiftieth or something. Let me see what their career points I think, per game. I think Recky got in because he just he just was what do they call it? Like an accumulator? Like he played yeah. so many like games. Like Marlo. Yeah. Like Marlo, Marlo will, will be get an interesting in. case. He'll get in. I think he'll get in. Maybe not right away. Recky didn't get in right away. I'm not gonna argue against Mark Recky, man. The, no, st- I'm not. the main street in downtown Kamloops is called Mark Recchi Way. <laughs> I was there when he won the cup with Carolina and he brought it to Kamloops and like the entire city was there and it was it was amazing. Yeah, so Recchi played almost 1,700 regular season games, over 1,500 points. So his... Yeah, Roberts isn't game. anywhere close to that. Roberts played 1,200 and has like, I, and I think yeah, he has 1,000 so points. Recchi is like 0.93 points per game and Roberts is like 0.74. Yes. So that's that's probably Recky also was badly underrated. He was like I, most people yeah, of our like, generation remember him as like the guy at the end. He played until he was like forty three, right? But when to, he played in the nineties, he was he was a star. But to bring up your point of like where you play, he was also playing with Lemieux and Yager and, and Francis and Pittsburgh. He had like a lot of years in Montreal and Philly. Teams. He actually didn't play for Pittsburgh that long. No, that's true. He mostly played for Philly and Montreal when they were, like, okay. He did hmm. play with Lindros. He played with a lot of good players. He did. He played with Saku Koivu, who's a guy he played with, I think, a lot in Montreal. He played with Crosby, I mean, when, in the beginning of Crosby's career. Didn't they, Didn't he, Crosby live with him? Wasn't that a thing? Yeah, I think so. Or maybe he lived with Lemieux. That's it. But they were close, though. Anyway, now we're on like a Mark Recchi. I have a lot of Mark Recchi facts if you want to. I could do a whole Mark Recchi show if you want. <laughs> but are there any other like former Leafs that haven't gotten in that, that should be in? I guess that's probably it. McGilney and Cujo. Belfour's already in, right? Yeah. Sundin's already in. Uh, I feel like I should know this. And If you're prognosticating current Leafs, who might get in? Well, Anybody uh, but I... Matthews? Well, I could see potentially Marner getting in. Yeah. Tavares might Tavares get in. Tavares will be a really interesting one. He might be. I mean, it's going to depend what he does in the next few years, right? Yeah. But if you look at this era in his production, he's got like basically a point a game. He's got he's tons of 10. tons of goals. Yeah, like he's yeah. probably will get in. Hmm. I would like like a more exclusive Hall of Fame. Like I think. Yeah, I, it should be more exclusive. I would like it so like if you're not one of if you weren't at any point one of the. 10 best players in the league for like a good chunk nope that's what I said like I think it should be some years there's only two or three guys get voted in yeah so like, like it just, should be really th- obvious this year again is, is like no one should argue with that ever. no question yeah did so who else got in uh Aginla Hosa Lowe uh, Doug Wilson who's so Alfredson didn't get in no he's a fascinating he's like, like on the line the Senators fans are really unhappy, but I think Alfredson's right there with like Keith Kachuk and Jeremy Roenick and Shane Doan. A bunch of Shane. Yeah, I don't even. I he's think better than he, Shane. Yeah, I think he's ahead of Shane Doan. Yeah, but he's like in the same ballpark as McGillney. Same kind of thing. Yeah, 
It's hard because McGillney had injuries and played fewer games. Like Alfredson played quite a lot. I think Alfredson will get in. It's just going to yeah. take a little bit of time. Feels like Alfredson's going to be like a Doug Wilson. He has to wait a while. But he's probably one of those guys, like statistically, that he has a really good case of being in, doesn't he? Or was Ooh, he Wilson? Yeah. Or is yeah. that influenced by era? Obviously, it's no. I th- I'd have to look at it closer, but I think he was one of the best defensemen for a long enough period. He was pretty good. I only remember him. I think he played right into the early '90s, right? I remember him towards the end. I think I think he he played for San Jose, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember him in San Jose. Chicago, I think I don't, and I think there's he played on some bad teams, and he was. You, you look at his point totals; they were pretty good. I wonder if there's like a. If, if a team, I guess the Leafs have like their legends row. I guess that's their, like your, it'd be kind of neat if you had your own Hall of Fame. Well, that's retire your jersey, right? That's yeah. what that is. Jersey retirement. So like some teams can retire a jersey of a guy who's not an NHL Hall of Famer. Like, you know, like the Canucks retire Nasland and Linden and these guys that mean a lot to the franchise that don't aren't necessarily Hall of Famers. Well, so is there anybody who hasn't had their jersey retired that you would do that with? Oh man, the Leafs have so many retired. I'm just like I can name some guys like Cujo. You could do. I don't know where. Where's the I don't line? Don't Cujo played in Toronto long. He was enough. only here four years. Like I know Gilmore didn't play that long in Toronto either, but like Gilmore was kind of more franchise altering. Looking back, so I wrote about Cujo last week because I did a thing about the best. Actually, I think it came out this week. The best free agent signings. I did. I did ten. The ten worst free agent signings and the ten best free agent signings uh, in Leafs franchise history. And Cujo was number two in terms of best. And you look at his career, and it's like, man, like he bounced around so much. And like, if he didn't go to Detroit and he stayed in Toronto and he like played longer, and like those Belfour years were Cujo instead, then his legacy would be a bit different. And maybe they would have had a few more playoff runs and. Maybe then I think you'd probably be talking about him retiring his jersey and things like that. And I'm sure he has regrets too for going to Detroit because it went, it was a disaster. It went terribly. It was a disaster. Well, I was looking into that stuff uh, because I wrote about Brian Burrard and obviously he was traded for Felix Potvin. And you look at when they signed Cujo, like he was, I think he was 30 or 31. Like it's a really interesting move that they make that at that point. And obviously he'd well, been he really was good with the, in, with the Oilers. Like he, he was, and St. Louis. Like he was. Remember he used to he was like single handedly getting the Oilers through some of those players. But it's series. not like Potvin was bad. Like Potvin was good. Even at that point. Like I don't know if he was on Hadn't he stumbled Cujo's. by then? Yeah, he'd kinda like fallen off a bit. I think they were worried about him by then, and with good reason, because if you look at what happened after he left Toronto, it was Yeah. Well you put so that era is really interesting is Dryden was the president. But I don't think at that point like he was actually doing the GMing. I think he was like Shanahan. From what I could from what I could piece yeah, back from the, the I just clippings. looked up who Mike was Smith actually was actually the GM. And I well, think he also signed I think he was Thomas. technically assistant GM or something, wasn't he? Was he was associate GM. Right. But he was like I guess Dryden people probably know this. If you look at technically I think Dryden had the GM title for a little while there. He did, and then he gave it up and and changed the front office structure. Right. And Mike Smith was Yeah, it was really weird GM. at that point. But anyway, like it's it's a really interesting move that they make at that time. And one of the things that you brought up to me, and and I I agree, is that that era of uh, managerial whatever was really good. Like they did lots of like really interesting things and like Well, I was pulling together this list and I looked over our, all of Leaf's history, at least in free like free agency's only really existed since nineteen ninety five, like when that CBA came in. But 
looking really closely at all every single player the Leafs had signed between 1995 and now, all of the worst contracts were between oh. Eight. After the lockout. 08 and like 2018. They were all like in the cap era. And all of the best contracts, almost all of them, were 95 to 2005. Mm. They were all the Pat Quinn, Dryden, Cliff Fletcher era. Well, and they're all like shrewd, like Gary Roberts, Steve Thomas, Mike Johnson. And even like that that trade, the Berard trade is fucking insane. Yeah, that we should do happen. A, we should do a best trades list. Yes. And worst trades list. But that one doesn't end up being a best trade because of what happened to Berard. But like, yeah, imagine, I think it still is, though. Imagine today the Buffalo Sabres are just like, you know what? We're not convinced Rasmus Dahlin is going to figure it out defensively. We're going to trade him for a backup goalie who used to be pretty good. Did you see in the comments on your Berard piece what people were like? They were not Milbury fans, and I could understand why. But, yeah. Milbury was... But there was... I don't know. I think there was probably more going on in that situation than like... It's still fucking insane. Yeah, it it's is. It's insane. But back then, like... That's the one thing I've... I've. What was that, 2000 that happened? No, 99. But yeah, same time. Even back then, like, I don't... The stuff uh, obviously, Milbury on, was not a good GM, but... Well, I mean, how many years ago is Clarkson? Like, it's still hard to believe that that happened. <laughs> yeah. And that's like, that's 2013. Yeah. So I guess that's seven years ago. Um, but it's just... if. It's amazing how much like the way we look at things has changed and how something like that, that just seems, I was reading a lot of the newspaper articles around that time mm-hmm. and people were like, this is like a pretty good, like this could be a, a big win for the Leafs, but like there's some risk. Well, and I Podman was, thinking, was like, seen as like being really good, right? At that yeah. Point. He had also left the team because right. he, he wanted to be traded and they had Cujo. Like it was like a no brainer kind of trade. Now no one would ever trade a first overall pick that was a defenseman like Berard. Like it's for a, like a backup goalie. Yeah. And they had drafted Luongo like two years <laughs> but before. But then they traded Luongo. But then they, then they traded Luongo because they drafted Rick Pietro first. Like it's just like a tire fire yeah, what no. they were doing. Well, that was like one of the worst run organizations ever like for a long. And then they, they gave Pietro that contract. and Yes. Yes, and didn't they trade Luongo for crap too? Too right, yes, like it was like Oleg Kavasha or something, and like it's unbelievable mismanagement. <laughs> like it's it's jarring. They could have been good. It's amazing that those Islanders fans hung around through all that. Yeah, and I guess that informs like their feeling of betrayal with the whole Tavares thing, even if it was completely over the top. Um, but so, like, what were some of the 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 free agent signings that stood out, like on the positive side? The negative ones are very obvious. Yeah, the negative ones were like, it's like a walk down memory lane that you and I know. Like, we went through all that, and we covered all that, and we wrote about all that a lot. And, like, it's like commissaric, and it's it's hard. Like, I like a lot of those guys. Sure. Like, they were, like, Colby Armstrong and... Finger? Like, you talk to Finger? Yeah. Like, like, not a bad guy. Yeah, no, and they just, they get put in, like, an impossible situation. Um, the best on the best side... What was number one? Cujo's number two. No, it was Borea Salming was number oh, one. Right. But that's kind of an unusual one where they signed him out of Sweden when there were no Swedes in the NHL. And it was kind of just like they didn't know if he could even play. I talked to him about that because I talked to him after he got oh, the I virus. I some quotes from you. Yeah. I, I can't remember what he said. Like he, he mentioned, I th- I'm trying to remember the scout who kind of found him. But again, like it was like, I guess it was a Ballard, the Ballard era. So it wasn't exactly... Things weren't going great, but that was a pretty good find. I think it was 1973. And then he played for the Leafs like up to like 1990. Like he, you know, one of the, the all-time best defensemen. And, but that's a bit different because it's a, 
I mean, some of the other best signings were I had Clark MacArthur at number 10. I don't have it in front of me. Belfour was number three. Roberts, Thomas, McGilney made it because I thought that. I think Roberts was in there. Yeah, I said I said Thomas Roberts. Say? Yeah, they they're kind of one and the same for me. I had to sort through kind of there were a lot of like like Joe Newendike signed the one year deal and had a pretty good year. I thought it was interesting you had Tavares in there, but I guess the coup of that alone is like a. Yeah, some people on the on the list of worst free agent signings were saying it Tavares should be there, and then. And then I was doing the best, and I was—I think I had Devers fourth or fifth or something—and I was like, I wonder if this is too high. It's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. Like, he might not be on that list if he's bad in like two years. Well, I guess it, it'll depend on bad, a how but... long he remains like elite, and it'll be about team success. Like, if they want a cup this year or next, it becomes worth it. Right I just away. still think Tavares is the guy that we saw last year when he had the forty-seven goals, and I think this year. Well, and I mean, Marner got off to a poor start, and he was, and Tavares was hurt, and well, and even this year, off year, he's like a point per game, yeah, and almost thirty goals in sixty five games or games. whatever. Like yeah. that's still, yeah, like he's a on a bad year, he's a forty goal, but that's like year two guy. of the contract, and it'll be interesting to see. Like he's never been the, the greatest skater. It'll be interesting to see like how he evolves. Like maybe he evolves. It's they're completely different players, but like Thornton's was yeah. never a good skater either and he stuck around no, and was effective. That's what for a I while. think. Like I still think he's going to be very effective even without like not I know the game is faster and everything, but not everyone in the NHL is fast and like that's not Yeah. You know, there's always been guys in the NHL that haven't been great skaters. Like Luke Robitaille wasn't a good skater, Andrew Brunette. Like there's always been guys that have found a way to really produce offensively despite not being good skaters. And I think Tavares is going to be one of those guys. Well, maybe eventually he's your third line center and he's not your second well, line center. For 11 million, it's going to be tough if he's it's making It's going to happen. Well, then you got to trade him. Like you can't have an. If the, if the cap's flat five more years. Well, if they're. Well, you and I have discussed this before, I think, maybe not on the podcast, but if they ever get to a point. And it, it still gets talked about now, like they need to trade someone from their core. If you're ranking the guy that you trade first, it's him, and it's not even like it's not even a question. Yeah. The most valuable contract, obviously, is Neander. You could get the most for Marner. You're not trading Matthews. Well, Matthews and Marner's and Neander's contracts are going to come up too. Like I, I yes. think that you probably have to trade Tavares in three or four years. I don't think he plays the whole contract for the Leafs unless he like is. Well, especially like, with like they were assuming when they signed that deal that the cap was going to go up. Right. Well, and so you're assuming that there's going to be a team that's going to want 32 year old John Tavares making 11 million. Maybe you got to retain some of it. Maybe there's a this compliance is just, buyout at some point. It gets back Maybe to what the, we were talking about before. Like this, this pandemic is going to change. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I feel like they do need to figure out some way to make it more fair to teams. Like obviously it's central to us and what we think about. But it's not really fair to a team like the Leafs that builds their team around this idea, and then it just gets blown. Well, there up. was never any guarantee that the cap was always going to go up. Like the cap was always going to be tied to revenue. But it now, wasn't obviously be flat for five years. No, obviously you can't prepare for that scenario. I mean, the only way I can think, Jonas, that they could potentially fix this is if they rolled every contract back in the league, dip back. Like like this happened after that, after the one lockout, after the full season lockout that everyone lost. I believe it was twenty percent of their salary. If they did something like that again, I mean, the players are going to fight that till the death, though, right? So, well, but like, you already wrote like, how much is someone like Matthews losing well, from this thing? If, if they don't play the rest of the season, he's going to lose around thirty-five percent of what he got paid this year, which I believe was fifteen point eight or something. It was yeah, almost wasn't it like sixteen million. million or something that he was going to lose. Yeah, 
it's 35% of 16 million. So you do the math on that really fast. It's 5.3, I think. Yeah. And I think Marner's even higher because I think his first year of his contract was even higher than Matthews this year. Well, so if that ends up being the case, it it may just force a trade sooner, like maybe next season. Of Tavares? Yeah, or someone. If he's not good, then yeah. But yeah, you're right. Like, does someone want a 31 or a 32 year old Tavares making 11 million dollars? <laughs> like, the cap being flat for a long time, we haven't really written about it or talked about it because it. Well, it's not certain. It yeah. will go up if revenues go up considerably, but I don't. I think it's unlikely. Like, Wasn't there a new TV deal coming in the states? Yeah, but like it's the U.S. TV pennies. deal is tiny. Yeah, it's what's it's the NBA's how... TV deal? Oh my god. And NFL. It's amazing how small it is compared to the other leagues. You know what it is? Soccer, too. Do you know what the US TV deal is for the NHL per year? It's $200 million, the national deal. Jeez. And I think in the in the NBA's, is like, it's billions, right? Like, it's like $3 billion or something. Like, they're, they're not even close. Like, they're just completely different planets. And the bigger those TV contracts get, like in other sports, those contracts are just like going, like, in the NHL, I don't know... I don't know how much bigger it's going to get. What the NHL should do is they should sell their rights to like a whole bunch of different places and like try and yes. get more money that and way. And that was their mistake in Canada. They should try and have hockey on in a whole bunch of places. All, all, all over the place. I think it was a mistake in Canada, yeah. Yeah, it was. And not sure just selfishly was. because, you know, you and I do some radio stuff for TSN or whatever. It's just, I think it's better for the fans and it's better for the league and, you know, having an exclusive. It's better to have all these different companies be fully invested in your yeah. product. Not no that brainer. TSN's not invested in NHL, but you could have had you could have had a streaming partner in DAZN. You could have had, yeah. you know. Well, I mean, look at the NFL. The NFL is on Fox, CBS, uh, ESPN ABC has one too, don't they? Or they're is it ESPN, best? same thing. Right, right, right. And their own network. Yeah. Anyway, hopefully that's the the future. Do we have we have other things on the list? No, that was the end of the topics. Is there well, anything else you want to We've talk been about? doing lots of stories about former Leafs players and I th- those have been some of the most well-received stories that we've done since They've been really the fun to down. do. It's really fun to go back and look at a lot of stuff um that's happened and what's maybe more interesting is players are now more willing to talk yeah. about stuff that they weren't at the time and like Jeff Finger's a good example, Colt Nord. Colt Nord literally would not do interviews. I tried a lot. And he just never was comfortable doing it. It was I remember the same thing with Finger. He just didn't want to say much. Even when you did talk to him, like he was very bland. He was very nice. But he didn't he didn't want to say anything. <laughs> he was wonderful to talk to. Yeah, well, because he now was, he's just a player. And I've got another one coming that I won't like spoil so appreciative here. That he was able to talk. But it was awesome talking to him. Like there's so and I think with, with people in our situation. Raycroft was really good. Same thing. Look at the stuff Raycroft said. Like it was I, yeah. I was not expecting it. And we didn't know these players very well. I mean, you kind of knew Colton a little bit, but... Yeah, but Raycroft wasn't here that long, and when he was here, he struggled. I started so covering was the team never, right after he left. Like, I there didn't was get never to know good him. stuff to talk about, you know? So, like... Well, and you said that... I asked you, was like, what was Raycroft like before I interviewed him? I was like, what was he like in the dressing room and whatever? And you were like, oh, he was like kind of like... He was prickly. Bitter and like... Yeah, and I get it. Like, he comes over in this trade, this very controversial trade... And then he struggles, and then the media gets on him, fans get on him, and then literally they trade for another guy a year later. Again, like to, to, to highlight the point about management, how different it was, they traded their number one goalie prospect for a guy coming off like an 890 or 876 year. Then a year later, 
trade picks, first round pick, second round pick, I think, for a 30 year old who'd been like a number two in San Jose. He wasn't that old yet. He was 30. Yes, he was. He was, he was 30, he was 30 when he started? or 29. Yeah. Anyway, who had never started? I think he'd he, never, he, he, he never been a number like one. 50 games or something. It's insane. Yeah. But we're back it, into like the Milbury. Uh, we're, we're right there, and that's not that long ago. But what was interesting to you about talking to him? Raycroft? Yeah, because I didn't get to know him that well when he was here. So, like, his reputation, like, the, I, even among the fan base and stuff, like, they, they didn't like him not just because he didn't play well, but just because of the way he acted and the way he was. He was came very sarcastic in interviews. Like, I he was, yeah, he was, like, saying things that they really didn't like. And it was, you know what changed my perspective on Raycroft? He joined Twitter last year. I don't know if you've been following him. And I, I, start, I started following him almost right away. And he wasn't verified or whatever. I was like, is this really him? And it was just like, he seemed like, he seemed like a really good guy. Like he seemed like just like a really, I I, I think he was really popular in the team. His Twitter was just, it was so much different than the, the view that everyone in the media and the fans had always told me about him. Cause I didn't get a chance to cover him and um, he followed me. And so I just thought maybe this guy's different than we thought. And it's the same thing as finger. And the reality was he was like, you know, we got on the phone and he talked for an hour and he just kind of like opened his soul to me a little bit and talked about all like kind of the mental health challenges he had and stuff in Toronto. And, you know, he says, just looking back, he was just in a really bad place and that that's why he acted the way he did. And that's part of why it didn't work. And, you know, now that he's older and he's got three kids and he's had a lot of time to think about and process everything and figure things out. And, and at, at, 40 he's a lot more mature than he was at 26 he i don't know it takes some uh, some level of self-awareness to to kind of be critical of how you acted in in a situation like that and and he's gotten to that place so it's interesting he's like he said when you're like 26 27 years old you're still very young and you're not very well prepared for the situation you get put into yeah yeah. And he really was not, he was never expecting to be in that situation. Like he was, he's like when he was coming up as a kid and whatever, he was always just kind of like a middle of the road guy. He wasn't like playing for team Canada. He wasn't like, he wasn't a star goalie anywhere. He was kind of like a middle of the pack OHL guy, fairly late draft pick played in the AHL a few years. And then, you know, that first year he wins a Calder, he's with a really good Boston team. Anyway, and then was, the lockout happens. And then the lockout happened, and he said, "In hindsight, that screwed them all up because, like, all of his competition, in in terms of the other goalies in the organization, whatever, they all got to play in the AHL, and the AHL was really good that year, that full season lockout year. Mm. And if you think about it, like, it doesn't make any sense that Raycroft is not allowed to play. He's still a young guy. He's only played one season, but there were all kinds of rules in place about who could play in the AHL and who mm. couldn't. So, anyway, yes, it has been fascinating." I talked to uh, Val James as someone whose story I didn't know. I talked to him on Friday. The story came out today. Um, the first black player to play for the Leafs. I didn't know. Like, we, we've covered the team for a long time. Mm-hmm. I, I would have told you Grant Fear was probably the first black player to play for the Leafs. That's that's who I had thought it was. But did some more research in the last couple of weeks. And and here's this, he lives in, Val James lives in Niagara Falls, works at Great Wolf Lodge. Oh, wow. Yeah. He works at Great Wolf Lodge. That's, you haven't read my story yet. No, it's, I haven't read it. It just came out today. He's, he maintains the water park. That's his job. That's where my brother worked, actually, as a lifeguard. Maybe he knows day. him. That's amazing. He's been there for a long time. Wow. So. And, and in the last 18 months, the Leafs have brought him in and 
made him part of the alumni association and given him an alumni jacket and had him to games. And he's been part of black history month and, and he only played four games for the Leafs, but, um, and, 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 and the same kind of thing is that only it wasn't kind of his immaturity or whatever. It was like the immaturity, immaturity is the wrong word. It was the way society was when he played that mm-hmm. he had to deal with a lot of prejudice and the, some of the stuff in the story, like, when I started learning about Val James' story, it was like I was like, I was like getting emotional. It's so sad the stuff he had to go through. Like people were throwing bananas on the ice, and like it was just like, it's just so backwards and depressing. And and when he left hockey, he got hurt and he left hockey. He like abandoned the sport for like a long time. And he said whenever he tried to watch a game, he would have like almost kind of like PTSD because he would remember like all of the like racial slurs and like everything all how hard it was for him to be the first one of the first black players ever it's it's like it's really sad actually and then you talk and he's just this wonderful man Hmm. I I, we we talked for like an hour and a half we had this great conversation and he had all these stories and he was talking about John Brophy the Leafs coach was making him try he's like go go fight Basil McRae on the Red Wings because he, I, John Brophy had some sort of run-in with Basil McRae, who used to be be a Leafs prospect like the year before. So he called Val. They called Val James up and they said, "Go, go get him." And, and Val James is like, "I tried to fight him. He didn't want to fight me. I'm not going to fight a guy that doesn't want to fight." And anyway, it's just, it's like, it, so it's like such a sad story, and then it's got kind of like a nice ending. He, uh, so, someone tracked him down, like a fan of his from way back in the day, tracked him down and convinced him to write a book. Oh, wow. Five years ago, uh, called Black Ice, which I got to track down and read, and that was. And then he came back to the sport because he wrote this book, and everyone remembered him, and he like started doing publicity tours and stuff. And then now he's huh. like, yeah. So, well, the sad thing is like, we continue to have that stuff happen. Yes, I mean, and that's what that's why like the Akeem Alou situation was like. It's just so alarming that it. Yeah, that that's like how long ago did Val James play? Early eighties. Yeah, so like we're a long years. ways away from yeah. that, and we're still dealing with that. Like forty years ago, yeah. And that's why it's good. Like we talked about it last podcast. Why it's good to talk about that stuff and have people like him speak. Yeah, yeah. And the one of the amazing things in the story, and that he said, is that he grew up on Long Island, like kind of in like a rural part of New York, and he didn't really experience any racism. And then when he started, he started playing hockey when he was thirteen, and we started playing competitive hockey, and he moved to Canada. That's when he started getting all of this stuff. So some people in Canada think that this isn't a Canada problem. This is just a U.S. problem. There's an example of an American who came to Canada, came into hockey, and that's when the racism started for him. Was when he became when he started becoming part of hockey. It's sad. It's like it's it's really really tragic. And the one thing that he said when we talked was, you know, there's a lot of kids that, in the face of all of what he went through, stopped playing and said, "This isn't for me, and I'm going to do something else." You know, there were other black players that he played with on Long Island that decided that hockey wasn't hockey wasn't for everyone. Well, and I hope the the NHL and takes like a leading effort in trying to improve all of that. I don't know, like we can't. I don't know how deeply we can get into that. We've already talked about it a bit. Yeah, but it feels like that's a a ground roots grassroots grassroots kind of thing that you want to improve. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I mean, it's the the one good thing that's come out of this shutdown and not having hockey is that we've been able to tell some stories that otherwise we probably, we might not have 
made time for. No. And there have been some really good ones. So, And I know you got some more coming next week. So, mm-hmm. All right. Well, I guess the next time we talk, we'll be talking about training camp, if there is training camp, if it starts. Now, how are we going to cover training camp? It's going to be like Zoom calls and stuff. We're not going to be able to watch it or anything. Do you think they might just set up like a video screen and we watch it? Maybe. Maybe they'll let a few people in. I don't know. I don't know how it's going to be. I don't think they're letting anybody in. I guess it's not worth it for them to let people in. It's going to get, like with all these, with all the positive tests last week, it's going to get tighter and tighter. Well, even if we could just watch, I don't need to go into the locker room and talk to the players. But even if we could just watch the practice. Yeah. And then do a Zoom call. I'd be okay with that. We'll see. I just wonder if they might have, like, set a camera up there and we can watch that feed as opposed to need to be there. I'd rather be there. We don't need to sit in that little press box at the practice yeah, arena. and You can't see everything like that. I don't know. It, the other thing is, like, I don't know how much interesting stuff is going to come out of training camp practices. I guess we'll see the lines. We'll see who's playing with who. We always complain by the end of training camp that we're tired of training camp. And then this year we're going to get two of them. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, it'll be the first Sheldon Keefe training camp. We're a long way from Newfoundland. Yes. Well, I mean, I think I saw a tweet of yours about the David Ayers game. That feels like that's not... Four months ago. That's now not the weirdest thing that's happened this season, which is insane. <laughs> that a 40-year-old... Was he 40? 40-year-old... Yeah, I think so. I think he's older than 40. 42, maybe? Yeah, something like that. Anyway. All right, so we will be back uh, either next week or the week after that. Um, thank you, everyone, to lis- or for listening. Yeah, and thanks for reading and, you know, that we're shocked how good the numbers are when still reading and commenting on our stuff so we really appreciate it word stay safe <laughs>